Welcome to TV7 Israel's podcast. We invite you to listen and share our latest content from Israel and the region. Shalom from Jerusalem. This is Watchmen Talk, a series of conversations with Israeli military and security experts and practitioners. And our special guest uh, today is Rear Admiral Daniel Dani Hagari of the Israeli Navy. Welcome. Thank you, Amir. It's an honor to be here. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much. The um, head of uh, operations for the chief of naval operations, uh, a cumbersome Uh, title, but nevertheless, it reflects the fact that you are in charge of the operational side of the Israeli Navy, while another rear admiral is in charge of force building, of uh, budget acquisition, and that that side of the house, which you will probably have to undergo uh, later um, in your career. And uh, as your uh, badge shows, you're a naval commando, a former Uh, commander of uh, Flotilla 13, the Israeli equivalent of the Special Boat Service and uh, the uh, SEALs, the Sea um, Air Land uh, Commandos of the U.S. Navy and other such uh, elite units in uh, world navies, including in the Italian Navy, which was really the progenitor of uh, the Israeli Shayetet Shloshesre, Flotilla 13. So you were born um, 45 years ago or so in Tel Aviv after the uh, Yom Kippur War. Uh, what brings um, a boy from Tel Aviv? Tel Aviv uh, has a fine beach um, and also uh, swimming pools. Uh, your family uh, uh, subscribes to swimming pools. But what brings um, such a nice boy um, to Flotilla 13? Well, uh First of all, you're very accurate, uh, Amir, in prescribing the, the, the role and the roles in the Navy, two main roles, the operational, the force, how you shift the force and the buildup of the force. And uh, I would like to talk because I was listening to the earlier program with Rear Admiral uh, Shaul Chorev, Professor Shaul Chorev, Uh, who just finished uh, a great book uh, on the maritime strategy and maritime domain and what is between them. And uh, he gave a good infrastructure of the Navy. And, uh, and you asked me what made me go to the Israeli commando to the sea, as that was right. I was growing next to the sea uh, on Ayarcon Street. And uh, it's right, my family likes to swim. We have very good swimmers in the family. Some of them were in the Olympics. Uh, and uh, from early age, I was passionate with, uh, with the sea. And I think every young man who gets to Flotilla 13, uh, it's not just uh, 
the ambition to go to a combat unit. It's also the passion you get for the sea. And I think if you're not passionate uh, for both of them, you will not get a, 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 military, a military career. And, uh, and uh, they think many uh, commando warriors and commanders would be saying the same, they're very passionate with the sea. And also, um, the uh, early times of Israel in 1947, uh, the Paliam uh, brought up the demolition uh, squad. This is the naval arm of what was called Palmach, exactly. the shock troops of the Haganah. Exactly. And uh, Yochai Binun was uh, part of those forces, and also Yosel Edror, which you mentioned uh, in the other program. And uh, they both uh, were part of uh, what you can call, it's not exactly the resistance, it's the, the forces before the establishment of the IDF. And they had two units, <laughs> and one of them was close to Tel Aviv. The Jaffa unit was the unit of the boats, and the diving unit uh, commanded by Yossel Edror was in uh, Caesarey. And those two units, the Jaffa Union and the Caesar Unit, are the beginning of Flutilla 13, and I think they're also the beginning of the establishment of the Israeli Navy, so, in that sense. So, um, as you um, refer <coughs> to the role of the naval commanders, one, one may say that uh, the method is dive and demolish, and the mission is disrupt and deter. But the naval commandos, uh, after their success in 1948, uh, including uh, the scuttling of the flagship of the Egyptian Navy, um, were consigned to a very secondary role in the Israeli Navy. And the Israeli Navy itself was consigned to a secondary role in the Israeli Defense Forces. So we will come back to that. But if you uh, had a passion for the sea, you had other choices. You could uh, have become um, a surface warfare officer right. because the missile boats are the mainstay of the Navy, or you could have gone to the submarines, but you chose the naval commandos. Why? Because uh, the legacy and the establishment and the ambition to be part of the head of the spear, or the Israeli head of the spear, which is... Uh, Sayeret Matkal and Flutilla 13 is an ambition, I think, of every young man in my period, and I think also, also today. Uh, but I think uh, I would like to make it more accurate because we will talk about maritime superior, superiority in this conversation, and I think the beginning of maritime superiority is exactly in that period, in uh, 48, and Amir, it conducts with a different Amir that you mentioned, the Amir el-Farouk, the, the flagship, the Egyptian flagship. And in this period, in, uh, in the mix of uh, the independence war, there was a threat from uh, the maritime uh, area uh, with uh, sheltering, uh, bomb sheltering from the sea by Egyptian vessels and Syrian vessels and also uh, the flagship was maintaining to put troops in landing, Gaza landing. in the Yoav, uh, uh, during the Yoav uh, operation. operation. And uh, it is true that uh, the Flotilla 13 uh, that uh, was established in the 
portraying of the Italian Dutchy Mamas, the tense flutilla, was built on the idea that small forces and, and, and nations that don't have a big fleet uh, will try to create a, a chaotic uh, demolition to the big fleets. And I think in Second World War, uh, in uh, Gibraltar, uh, with the Shira, uh, in Alexandria, the Italian uh, Dutchy Mamas, the Italian flotilla, created a chaos amongst the big navies of the British Navy and also the American uh, Navy during World War II. And even Churchill said, we have to take care with this uh, problem. And, uh, so you mean in, in port and uh, in addition to that on the high seas, wherever they are, um, to surprise them when they least expect it. Exactly. So the head of the spear of those navy was the navy commandos, and uh, not the surface and the submarines at that time. The poor man's navy. Uh, if you can't have aircraft carriers and battleships or too many destroyers, you go for the commandos. And they were going to suicide mission, usually. And one way. In one way, yeah. And uh, in Israel, the, the philosophy and the doctrine that was made in, uh, before the operation on the Amir al-Farouk was the doctrine of, we are not going to a suicide mission. They even brought this Italian guy that was in prison, Capriotti, and he trained them. And, and Ben-Gurion was clever enough after the Allies uh, took it, Italy, he found the gear, uh, the boats, the explosion boats, the Assolto di Mazzi. Uh, boats that were manufactured by Kabi Kitanio. And uh, those, those boats came to Israel with a trainer, and Yochai Binun and Zalman Avramov and Yaakov Vardi, they trained those boats. And th- this operation was conducted not in a suicide philosophy, but in a philosophy that we will find the target, we will crash into the target, and then we will collect our men. And this is, I think, the doctrine of, uh, of, the, of the Navy SEALs, of the flotilla 13 of the command unit until today. Not only did you not, your predecessors did not um, uh, get rid of these boats, they still use them 20 years later for training cadets uh, and other trainees uh, in the naval commandos, uh, and it was terrible. Um, Taking, hitching a ride in one of those Hargol boats was uh, wooden boats was terrible. Well, I didn't have the honor to do that, uh, but uh, I did other things. But what I, I want to say is uh, this one event, the Amir al-Farouk, created a deterrence at sea, an Egyptian deterrence against the Egyptian, against the Syrian, and it created for almost 20 years, until the Six Days War, uh, a superiority in the sea. Now, you are very well versed in the history of um, the unit you ended up commanding. Uh, Was that part of your knowledge when you were inducted into the IDF in 1995? Did you bring all of that from home? I've learned of of later uh, operations, uh, uh, the island of uh, Green and the terror acts, which were more familiar to my age. I was born next to Antebe operation. So we had uh, different kind of uh, uh, threats, uh, especially the, the threat of terror. But uh, as I learned, and uh, it's better to learn the legacy and the history, and two people are still alive from this uh, uh, 
אמייזינג אופריישן, זלמן אברמו וג'קוד ורדי, and uh, we still maintain the learning, uh, and we find an, uh, an fascinating uh, fact, that the DNA, after 73 years, stayed the same. The DNA that you need to improvise, that you need to find a solution, that you, in, in the end of the day, you are only trusting the human being itself to make the right decision during the, the battle, It's all a link from that period to our period. Now, you mentioned Entebbe, and uh, while there were uh, several units involved, uh, paratroopers, the Golani Brigade, mm-hmm. Air Force, of course, um, what is most remembered is Sayyarat Matkal, the elite reconnaissance uh, unit of the general staff and the intelligence branch. And the simplistic question is, what is the difference between Shayet Shloshasre, Flotilla 13, and Sayyarat Matkal is, to put it very simply, the Shayet, Sayyarat Matkal, just add water. Shayet Shloshasre, Flotilla 13, was built in the beginning uh, uh, to fight in war times. In a sense, it was like part of the combination of the Navy, like it was explained. It was submarine, surface, and commandos, all combined, to find the maximum solution of sea superiority in the harbors at the sea during war times. It's the doctrine of, uh, of course, the, uh, or at that period, the doctrine uh, that was maintained uh, after Ben-Gurion uh, uh, brought the IDF uh, and how we perceived it today. And of course, this doctrine was changed during the years. And between so, wars, only train and, and, and uh, intelligence, or in, what? In between wars, uh, train and, uh, and do different kind of operations that will gain you level in wartime. But Sayeret Mastkal was built for uh, intelligence superiority, uh, which is a different uh, uh, kind of thing. It was later. It was not for wartimes in that, in that sense. And I think what happened to... Flutilla 13, it's also part of what happened to our enemies and our perception of, uh, of the doctrine. An asymmetrical war, it's at became an important asset uh, for uh, uh, not just uh, the IDF, but all the organizations. You mean like Mossad, Shabak? for conducting uh, operations from the maritime uh, domain to our enemies' uh, countries. So you joined uh, the naval commandos, you, you passed the very grueling training period. Um, what was the percentage of those who stayed and those who were washed out? The percentage uh, at that time, I think, uh, through the scanning uh, procedure, As I'm more familiar today, because I was the head of the school and the, the commander also of the unit later, the percentage is uh, it's around 13% from the beginning of the scanning. One of seven. Or so it remains. 13%, I mean, for the beginning. If you get a thousand, so it's, uh, it's a 13, and then you get more than that. It's, it's more, and I think the percentage now are even uh, sometimes lower, uh, lower. And, and the quality is even better today uh, 
as I can see it uh, from my point of view. What do you mean by quality? What, what features, what attributes are you looking for? I think that's, that's uh, the quality uh, as I measure it uh, in, when, when I look at, at all, the, uh, um, all the other even uh, superpowers. You look on uh, Navy SEALs, SEAL Team 6, and you look at uh, SBS, uh, Delta Forces. Uh, Israel is very, very lucky uh, that uh, young teenagers feel obligated uh, to volunteer and to fulfill themselves uh, in uh, uh, protecting the country. And those young people that in other countries would start to be doctors or uh, engineers, or uh, uh, different kind of entrepreneurs uh, are going uh, to the Navy, are going to uh, the intelligence branch, are going to the Air Force. So it's And Zionism, devotion, stamina? Uh, it's a different uh, version of, uh, uh, of what we had in the past. I think it's also uh, more about... Uh, being more fulfilled with your ambitions and uh, trying to, to reach your ambitions in a faster way. Uh, but I think in many cases, it's, it remained the same. In the, in the last 73 years, since the establishment of, of my unit, it was even prior to the so, Admiral evolution Hagari, of the country. Uh, in 26 years, uh, you went from uh, what in the uh, land forces would be called private in the Navy, probably um, seamen uh, to admiral. But did you um, plan it this way? Did you expect when you joined uh, to stay on as a career officer and reach um, these levels? Honestly, I, I planned it a role by role. Uh, and not... Uh, position by position. Position by position, exactly. Yes. So after you, you became an officer, um, actually, uh, you graduated from an infantry officer's school, not from a naval um, surface uh, warfare officer school, which is a, a two-year or, or more course, including academic uh, studies. This is, this is right. The Flotilla 13, Shaitet 13, is a hybrid creature. It has a land uh, creature and also uh, a maritime creature, both surface, up-surface and sub-surface. And uh, in, in this way, uh, some of us get to go uh, to the uh, land and you get to battalion and then you get to brigades and different places uh, in, the, in the IDF. The other, other ones goes to the Naval uh, Academy in that sense. Sometimes we try to combine both ruthers. Uh, to be better uh, uh, occupied with more tools uh, as uh, senior uh, commanders. But your own, your own course took you mostly to the commando units. You had at uh, times expected to be assigned, but uh, fate intervened. Other people went elsewhere and you were called on. But you did manage to be the uh, second in command of an infantry battalion Uh, when Palestinian terror was the main threat. Uh, did this give you another outlook on the IDF in general? Absolutely. It's a very important, uh, significant time in my service, and it gave me 
It was during, uh, I think, the period of terror in 2003-2004, of uh, still the late version of, uh, of uh, Chomat Magen, and uh, also uh, uh, managing uh, uh, a battalion in, the, in that way in uh, Judea and Somalia, but also in the Lebanese uh, border uh, against uh, Hezbollah in uh, Hardov Mountain. Is, an, uh, is a very important experience. Uh, one, one should mention that the um, chief of naval operations at the time, uh, Didi Yari, uh, himself a former commander of Shayet uh, Shloshesre, understood that if this is the main mission of the IDF, the Navy cannot stay outside it. It must take part both by contributing its best officers to serve in, in these units and uh, to conduct uh, operations. And this is uh, perhaps uh, the right time to mention that out of 20 chiefs of naval operations, from the very first one who was an American graduate of Annapolis, Paul Schulman, at 26 was given command of the fledgling Israeli Navy, to the current one, out of the 20, five were former commanders of Shayetet Schlosser. Who knows? Maybe one of us here in the studio will be the uh, sixth or seventh uh, one uh, down the road. But it wasn't the case in the first 30 years of uh, the Navy. At that time, only one person you mentioned, Yochai Binun, has been the commander of the Navy. Has the naval commando community been more integrated recently into the general Navy? Yes. Uh good friend of mine, uh, Tal uh, Politis, who in the same class, is now the head of the northern uh, base, of uh, Haifa base. And, uh, and he was also in charge of planning for the general staff? Yes, and another good friend of mine, uh, Dan Goldfuss, in the same class, uh, is uh, going to be a division uh, uh, commander. And he was in charge of paratroops? Yes, and uh, in, that, in that sense, I think... Every way to take you to a different world will give you a different level of, uh, of experience and uh, we should contribute the best way. So, so the highest ambition is no longer to become Navy chief, but chief of the, nav- of the general staff? I think it never happened yet, but uh, almost happened with you of Gallant. But one should mention that yeah. Gallant, whom you mentioned, was a former commander of Shayetet Shloshesre, yes. but then he went into the general army and became a division commander and commanded the Southern Command. He didn't want to become, he could have become Navy chief, but he chose the uh, wider path in order to become uh, IDF uh, chief of staff. Um, the appointment was aborted for uh, reasons which are not for us now to go into. But as you say, uh, there is no precedent, but it could happen. There is no precedent, but but it could happen. But I think the war and the face of war is changing. And uh, the, f- the way that you command or better better command the the forces is always is also changing. And uh, and we'll, I had the privilege uh, to see two chief of staffs, uh, Benny Gantz and uh, Gadi Eisenkot. 
Uh, you were the executive assistant to Gantz when he was chief of uh, staff, and then the assistant, the senior assistant to General Eisenkot, and you saw it from the best vantage point. And this was uh, an, an, an academic uh, lesson uh, to see military leadership and strategy and decision-making during uh, a very, very uh, hard times. And that what what is sense. the difference between these two positions? One, one is of a lieutenant colonel or a commander, and the other is of a Navy captain or a colonel. One is only in charge of schedule and, and uh, technical matters, and the other is no. involved in running the, the military? No. Uh, one of them is, uh, is in charge of, uh, the best way to, sus- to subscribe is, is to help the chief of staff to make the best decision in the best conditions that he has all the data and the intel and the procedure when he has to do uh, uh, how to force, uh, to, to operate the force in the best way. Uh, and it's also escorting him, and it's also the pen, but it's also the strategy and the opportunities, uh, the operational opportunities allied. And one of them is the operational side. The other one, because the, the chief of staff has like a, a, um, its own... Uh, Mate, it's on uh, staff. Staff, in that Euro- sense, in in that sense, is more in charge of uh, force build up and uh, conducting the joint chief of staff together, and is part of the joint chief of staff. But but it also gives you a view into personnel, gossip, backbiting, the relationship uh, at the top where it's very narrow. One man's promotion means another one's loss. It's not pretty. The, the, the best lesson learned is, is and I think, as a, and you learned it as a commando uh, warrior, is to be humble and modest and to know your position and deal with the things that are need to be dealt and not with the things that are not need to be dealt. We are going to have another uh, part of this conversation uh, shortly, but one quick question. Uh, there seems to be a contradiction between the fact that as a commando you must learn to be a loner, but yet it's a body system where you trust your wingman, your, uh, the partner in your squad. How do you combine that? This is, ve- this is very true, because you need to be a loner uh, in the terms that uh, you, you might find yourself alone, but... Uh, we call it, uh, uh, it has a name because in the diving, you have a rope tying you to your fellow man. And he knows, and you know, that you can only be depend on each, you can only depend on each other. So one pull in the rope and he comes to help you. You pull on the rope. He, you so know, what do you call it? Rope uh, pulling? Rope pulling if you need it. But okay, so we'll stop here. <laughs> we'll pull the rope soon in the second part of our conversations. Admiral Dani Agari, thank you for the time being. Don't go away.
Thank you for joining us in another TV7 Israel podcast. For more content, visit our website at tv7israelnews.com or follow us on social media.